year bipartisan support for the 118th Congress with two bills that hit at the heart of competition and accountability against China. On that story, Congressman Zach Nunn is here to talk also on the inside baseball of Speaker McCarthy's nomination and the debate on the nation's debt, which hits the ceiling this week, will be a huge story. Classifying chaos, what will be the outcome of documents found in President Biden's garage as the DOJ appoints special counsel now to both Biden and Trump, a political analyst, Trevor Loudon. I am on that story and China's recent COVID confession on the death count. And foreign policy expert IQ Al Razuli tells us how foreign powers have lost trust in the Biden administration and are creating partnerships with China. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the Weekend News Magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. This is Malcolm Outloud here. Well, the 118th Congress is, uh, is, is moving forward, and uh, that's the one, one thing we can say about all of it. And uh, we're seeing some early signs, some interesting things uh, that are developing here, which you'll find throughout the program are quite fascinating. Uh, we're going to take it right at the very tip top of the program here, my fellow Americans, and welcome on Congressman Zach Nunn joins us. Um, he is, uh, is it, well, he's a U.S. Air Force officer for sure, and a former state senator of the great state of Iowa. And now one of the recent members of the 118th Congress. He's a retired lieutenant colonel, U.S. Air Force. He's uh, been deployed overseas and representing our nation many times. And now, Congressman Nunn, you're representing the United States again. How does it feel, sir? Well, Malcolm, it is a very humbling honor to get to have the privilege of serving not just my home state of Iowa, but of serving um, hundreds of millions of Americans like-minded who want to see our country take action to support ourselves, to be energy independent, to defend our country, and most importantly, to make this place a better world for ourselves and our kids to be able to grow up in. And that's yeah. going to require a lot of fight. I seen one of the pictures, one of the visuals of you uh, with your suitcase in tow, kind of going there, and I, I've seen the look at, and I just got such a joy seeing the picture. I mean, that's what represent. <laughs> no, really, though, that's what representative government is all about. And you are just a t- terrific representative of we the people. And I just had such a joy seeing that photograph of you with the suitcase in tow. And I said, man, I said to myself, I said, Malcolm, you tell Zach, go get him, go get him. <laughs> Well, thank you, my friend. And thank you to your listeners as well. Uh, You know, this was a great opportunity during the campaign to to share not just a Mr. Smith goes to Washington attitude of, hey, Midwest ingenuity, we can get it done. But it was really a collaboration of a lot of great people across the country who got a number of, of us into the 118th. And Malcolm, I will say huge praise for this freshman class. We've got a lot of military leaders. We've got a lot of uh, incredible women who are first time elected. And we've got a number of, uh, you know, Hispanic Americans who chose to run for office and win. And we've got just a lot of people from across the country. So it's going to be a great freshman class. 
and uh, 40 strong in the Republican side. I think there's a lot we can get done. I want to get on some things that uh, the Speaker McCarthy um, was successful in in the first week and all of that. But put that aside a moment. I I, I cannot miss this opportunity, Congressman Nunn, to talk to you about give give us a sense, please, uh, if you would, of um, I, I could just imagine the whole whirlwind of you arriving up there and the uh, election, the nomination and the process of Speaker of the House and uh, Kevin McCarthy. And it which really speaks to the incoming class and what had taken place there uh, with the uh, the jury, uh, the, um, the, the, the particular um, f- fractions in the party, if you will, which I think is really an American thing. But some people look at that as a negative, but it's actually a positive Um what what was that all like? To get, t- tell us the process. What happened and what was going through your mind as all that was happening? I can imagine. Right, Malcolm. Well, I mean, in all honesty, it was, it was pretty exciting. It was very historic. Um, traditionally, speakers are kind of a foregone conclusion. And what I love not just about our freshman class, but the entire Republican side is that there is a lot of diversity in thought. There is a lot of folks fed up with the swamp. And there's a lot of leaders who are ready to start taking charge on issues. So, well, um, you know, I think, candidly, probably out of the 220 Republicans, I, I would probably vote for at least 218 of them who I think could have been a great speaker. Wow. Uh, that being said, you know, Kevin McCarthy has been leading the party out of power for the last four years. Every year that he's done it, he's gotten more Republicans elected. And these are diverse crews of Republicans. They're the Eli Cranes of Arizona that are in very conservative districts as a Navy SEAL. They're the Juan Siscomanis, uh, first time a Mexican-American has ever been elected in Arizona. That's a very, you know, a Biden plus 10. So you've got to have a leader who can speak to both sides of not just the Republican Party, but of where our country comes from. And so doing ballot after ballot after ballot, 15 in all, Um, We broke the 100 year marker on this. But what I love about Republicans is that we don't, you know, coronate a presiding officer, the speaker. There was lots of good debate on the floor. There was lots of conversation. People clearly were changing their minds as ballots went on. The 200 that supported McCarthy never wavered, never broke and stood with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the folks that were in the other 20 had some really important ideas on principal ground that they brought forward. And as a result, we were able to move um, Congress even more back to having representatives, not the Speaker of the House, be the one that has the power in yeah. the chamber. And that's actually the way it's supposed to work, quite frankly. Right. I mean, but it hasn't, as you say, many times. I, I got to ask you just straight out question. Did you yeah. ever consider your mind, in your mind, not supporting uh, McCarthy for Speaker? No. I, I mean, at that point, we had basically two months uh, to work through the rules and what we wanted. I don't know that anybody was ever against McCarthy personally. What they wanted was to make sure that we had better rules. There were, I will say this, there were probably two people who just don't like McCarthy, um, and I can't. That's that's over to them. But by and large, it was a degree of how do we best govern to make sure that every representative can return to normal rules of order on the floor. Something that Pelosi completely took away, was underrepresented. You couldn't do amendments. You couldn't remove the the presiding officer, uh, Pelosi, when she was there. She had a proxy plan where people basically didn't even show up to have a debate, let alone get work done. So the speaker's office was effectively running the bills. This really turns that on its head and returns us back to that Jeffersonian Adams idea of there should be debate in public. People should get to have a say in it. And as a result, 
we actually change America for the better. Uh, one last real fast point, not to, to belabor, uh, belabor this yeah. too too much here, but I'm, I'm very curious. If you look back, you mentioned 100 years a moment ago, okay? And so we go all, all the way back to uh, 1859, 1861. Uh, that was uh, William Pennington, as you probably know, right? The 36th Congress, right. right? But before that, here's what's interesting to me that's not lost on me. And I just wonder what you think about it. Just before that, in the 34th Congress, uh, also, there was 133 times it took. I'm sure you looked at all this and probably know this. And the time before that, in the 31st Congress, uh, it was 63 times. And then other than that, it's pretty normal the way, all the way across the board, for the most part, a little couple of times, but nothing too much like this. But it's wonderful how those three times were right there. And it doesn't escape my my memory that... Um, that uh, Congressman, this was such a volatile time of our country with the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, this this was that period of time. In fact, it was the last uh, part of the Whigs Party and the first part mm-hmm. of the Republican Party, as, as you know, mm-hmm. historically. And, right. I'm just, and I'm just speaking out to this. I, I wonder what does that say about today's, I mean, I'm just thinking about how broken we've been and trying to, again, look at this as maybe this is a really positive thing or something. The fact that we were at odds like that. Does that make sense? Malcolm, I absolutely agree with you on this. It was a period of, you know, great ripple effect going on across the country back in the 1850s. And as a result, you know, the country emerged stronger, but not without hardships. And so I think that this is probably a canary in the coal mine, if you will, Malcolm, of saying there has got to be real change in how Washington does business or people are going to continue to have this level of frustration with what I'll call establishment leadership. I'll also say these things can emerge a stronger party as a result of it. You know, in 1850, we saw the fracturing of the Whig Party. These guys devolved. They went away, but they had been there for too long and they'd become, you know, very stagnant. Emerging from that was this new idea of a republic, a Republican Party that truly was about representing the people, not the landowners. And forged from that are great leaders like Abe Lincoln, who served in the House, who goes on to obviously, as we all know now, uh, lead the country through the Civil War. But in order for this to be successful, we've got to do this openly, transparently, and let the American people have a voice and a view in what's happening. I mean, C-SPAN, I think for all of my friends, became must-see watching Uh, for those three days, because you were seeing democracy in action. And I think the Republican Party will end much stronger heading into this. And 2024, with our presidential race coming up, I'm an an Iowa guy. We love the uh, Republican caucuses. The Democrats gave up on it. But here's a place where Republican leaders have to come to a state and actually talk to people. They can't run a $10 million race on commercials. You have to work for it. And this is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, so a uh, couple of policies let's touch on here that are important. And this this first one was a, a was really a really very interesting thing. I love your perspective on uh, the Speaker McCarthy's success uh, in the uh, bipartisan, which is a big word today, uh, 25 syllable word, if you will, Congressman, you know, and uh, but uh, the, in his China, taken on China. Now, there were still 60 some odd Democrats who which is mind blowing uh, that right. they all didn't jump into this canoe. I is really just 
I, it's hard to even understand what that's all about. But anyways, this is uh, the desire uh, to there. Two bills were passed uh, and uh, that joined the law lawmakers uh, uh, to push back. They, they just weren't happy with what was happening with the Biden and China. Uh, but this was to hold for some accountability. Tell us what that all means, please. Those two China bills and what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, so this is really uh, it's a two-pronged approach. One, getting American energy independence back. We have great renewables, biofuels, ethanol, uh, traditional fuels. Um, our fossil fuels are cleaner than what's happening overseas. And so we're saying, how do we get America energy independence back as we did on the Trump administration? The other aspect of this was calling out the Biden administration's just atrocious policy of digging into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Look, Malcolm, this is the um, hundreds of millions of barrels that the United States has stockpiled over time in the case of a worst case scenario. A global pandemic was one of them, uh, which but, uh, Trump was very good in not uh, breaking into. A military um, endeavor in which we have to have fuel for the home front. So it's our, it's our national reserve. And he opened it up in the election year to try and drive down the price of oil from a error that he had created by refusing to use domestically produced energy. What was important here is that when we dug into it, we were still buying $100 barrel oil from Russia at the time. We were using our national reserve. And then on the back end, we were selling that national reserve over to the Chinese to keep them going as well at a cost to everybody who filled up at the pump in America. And that's why we saw those astronomical gas prices. Look, this bill is very simple. You will not go into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and sell oil to communist China that is produced particularly right here in the United States. And it's a great step forward towards energy independence domestically, but also standing up to communist China up front that they're not going to cash in on the American taxpayer. Right. All right. What about this business with the IRS agents and the pushback there? What was uh, how did that all go, do you think? And uh, but. We're not going to get the Senate to go along with that, obviously. Well, you know, I'm thrilled with this because this is the first step in holding the trillion dollar spending coming out of Washington accountable. Eighty seven thousand new tax agents that came out of the Inflation Reduction Act passed by the Democrats, signed by President Biden, would overwhelmingly attack Main Street Americans, families, uh, local farms who are the ones who would be the brunt of these new eighty seven thousand agents, these tax collectors. This is very clear. It says we're not doing that. The IRS needs to revamp the way it does business so good people who want to pay their taxes have the ability to get on the phone. The Democrats keep saying, well, this is just to replace people who are retiring. Guess what, Malcolm? When you retire, it's not like you take your line item in the budget with you. That money is already there. If they need to hire new people, the money is present. They need to be much more effective in where they're going uh, with their agency to serve the American people, not try and exploit good taxpaying citizens through fear tactics. So right. I feel very strong on that. The Senate should do the same. Yeah, well, the question is they should and will are two different things, though, aren't they? Um, it, totally, right. And yeah. you know what? They're going to be held accountable for that as well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, now, I think there's going to be an explosive. Uh, we're coming in. Well, let me get your thoughts. An explosive um, chapter coming up next. Uh, with the debt ceiling now. And uh, you see on Friday, it was Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen uh, said this debt bomb is become uh, due here January 19th, uh, looks like about Thursday or so. And the debt balloons to $31.38 trillion. I mean, I, I can't count that high, forgive me. Right. Um, <laughs> and she says, she says, once the limit is reached, the Treasury will need to start taking certain extraordinary measures to prevent the United States from defaulting on its obligations. Now, 
I don't know how McCarthy is going to weave this one, but I cannot imagine the Republican group coming together in a consensus initially with this. Uh, might this be the catalyst that does uh, end up closing the government for a shorter period of time? Or uh, does something else happen that I'm not aware of? Because it's going to be a tough fight. Yeah. So I think this is one of those key things that every American family, small business owner or family farm knows. You have to balance your budget if you want to be successful. We're at the greatest national debt we've ever faced. And this isn't something that snuck up on us. Malcolm, this is something that has been systemic in both Democrat and Republican uh, leadership roles. So here's where I feel very strong in the conference. And the first bill that I put forward was to say we will have a balanced federal budget. Wow. Look, the only way to start paying this down is to get this passed. And if Democrats really want to be able to raise the debt ceiling with any type of all of government approach, then they need to commit that they're not going to be spending more. We've got a plan here to get our deficit paid off in the next 10 years. I'm very proud of that. We did it here in my home state in Iowa when I was a senator. We have all-time high new revenue, and we're getting that money back to the American people, not paying it down on interest on a debt that's to the tune of trillions of dollars in Washington, D.C. Uh, so I feel like this is one of those opportunities where we get to have a stand on the hill and uh, you know place our hand on the Bible, but make sure that we are focused very strongly in fighting back against those who are just going to have a runaway debt as the order of doing business year after year after year. Let's yeah. pass this balanced budget bill and start doing what American families do every single month when they balance their checkbook. Yeah, and, and that is a pet peeve of millions and millions of Americans. And I know you and I talked about that on the campaign. It was one of the big pet peeves. So as I just understood you to say, this was, did I hear you properly? This was the first bill you actually sponsored? That's right, exactly. Wow, so somebody who put their money where their mouth is, huh? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Quite literally. <laughs> yeah. So what 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 was the outpour? What what was the conversation going around that uh, sponsored bill? What did folks say? Yes, yeah, so we had multiple co-sponsors. We're very humbled by it. I think this is an opportunity for us to really lay out a clear pathway for what fiscal responsibility means. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we've reached out to Democrats as well. And we said this is the right thing to do by the country. At the same time, what we're not going to do is just allow Democrats to scare the country with government shutdown or uh, an impending you know, crisis as a way to bully their way through more deficit spending. We have got to get this under control because if not, this becomes the greatest national security threat our yeah. country will face today and for our kids' future. Well, frankly, we've been talking about this uh, for, I don't know, I'll take a number, 30 years. I right, mean, and, right. it's, and we talked about what could happen if and if and if, and now we're at the point of if. I mean, we're sort of at if. And I, but this would take, I mean, this would, this is a long shot though to really even happen because we don't have the support of Washington with this, do, do we? Well, and the Republicans control half of Congress and only really that part of government. You've got a presidency and you've got a Senate that can right. run through and try and do whatever they want. We are in a holding action. We're not going to allow them to force things upon us. But at our end, we're also, awoke um, to the fact that Democrats in the Senate are not going to compromise in this president. I mean, the same president who will spend four hours in El Paso and four days in Mexico clearly does not have national security of the, our country first and foremost on his mind. So we're going to hold them accountable for this and we're not going to allow them to drive the narrative. 
Yeah, uh, I, the way you described it right there was actually perfect, uh, Congressman, when you said a hold-in pattern. And that was really the hope of the 118th Congress coming in, was to slow the train down. But the right. fact that there's only that one piece of government, it is a divided and a multi-factored uh, three branches. Of, you're right. Uh, you, there's only so much that can be done. Uh, but at this point, we've got to slow the train down before it does go off the track and off the cliff. And then we've got to somehow pull that back. It's going to take a series of elections to clearly do that. Uh, this is a start to that. And uh, so, listen, with that, uh, we uh, we applaud you here for sure, my friend, and uh, just wish you great success as we talk to you along the way. Uh, love your your administrative group you work that you have working with, uh, really good people, and uh, um, just really blessed, hoping that you um, do some tremendous things there, Congressman Zach Nunn. Malcolm, thank you so much. Thanks to your listeners. Please keep me informed, too. This is how we learn. This is how we execute for the American people. It's a privilege. That's exactly it there. All right, my friends. That is uh, Congressman Zach Nunn. It's so great to get his perspective. And, you know, just talking to him for just that bit there, you get the sense, you hear the confidence in his voice and the ability. Uh, it's just so important what you just heard. And I, I just think it's really beautiful. And it just it just reminds us of our representative government. I mean, it's pretty cool stuff. In action, by the way, I will comment to you on. Well, let's, we'll take a quick pause. But up next here, Trevor Loudon joins us. And we're going to get into the classified document business and a whole lot more about China. Just ahead, stay right there. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. And, uh, you know, you've been hearing a lot about the classified documents. Let's call it uh, cl classifying chaos, more or less. You know, and I got thinking about this a little bit, friends. And, um, you know, it, it, think about this in this terms. I mean, you know, you know, we elect somebody to the highest office, to president. In this case, Biden at the time was vice president. But, you know, in very high positions of power. And, you know, it's like when you're president, you know, let's face it, you get a lot of perks, a lot of things come with the program. You got that beautiful jet. You got a whole lot of things, you know, the hail to the chief and the whole bit. Right. 
And uh, so, you know, then you got to give all that power up. It's all over. You know, when the, when the song ends, it's like the musical chair thing. You're done. There's no chair left for you, man. And uh, so think about that. That's the nature of, of our of our business here is the United States. We're unique in that way that we, we uh, elect that leader in, in the way that we do. Uh, so here's the thing. I think this has got a long past. I think we're seeing now this come out with uh, President Trump. You're seeing it with uh, with uh, at the time Vice President Biden. But there's a whole history of this with and, and it's not just there. It's in Congress. It's in others. Do you know how many secrets I had a buck for just every secret that was taken out of there? I, I What I'm saying is I think this has become more routine than we think it is. And uh, so that's just me. Um, let's get another opinion here from uh, Trevor Loudon joins us. Uh, always excited to have him. He's an author, speaker, filmmaker, you know, political commentator, uh, and uh, really focuses on um, a lot of our sweet spots here and uh, pushing back against the communist, socialism, Marxism agenda, if you will. There's a series of fabulous books out there and uh, does a great uh, program with the uh, Epoch Times, by the way, Counterpunch. So I want to mention that as well. All right, Trevor. So buckle up here when you've got your seatbelt on and let's talk about these classified documents chaos here. So I, I don't know that we have the right parameters in place to secure classified. I mean, when you're the commander in chief, no one's going to stop you on your although maybe there should be an exit. Maybe we should have a pat down or a search when they leave the place or whoever's doing that. I don't know. But how, how routine do you think this is? And are we making more out of this than what it is right now? I mean, I know it's dangerous, but what do you think? I think it's I think it is routine. I think um there is very little there's nothing in the way of background checks for senior public officials, congressmen or senators. I think um the, there's a basically there's no national internal national security whatsoever. Nobody has to get background checks. The the Foreign Agent Registration Act is not applied. Um you know, when it was revealed that three Pakistani brothers were running the servers of 40 Democrat Congress members for 10 years <laughs> with links to Pakistani intelligence, nothing was done. No one was punished. Yeah. When it's, We've only just seen Eric Swalwell, who was sleeping with a Chinese spy, um, taken off the Intelligence Committee. And, um, you know, Diane Feinstein, who was chairman of the mm. Senate Intelligence Committee, yeah. um, has worked for China for decades and had a Chinese spy in her office. And when it was revealed, she said, oh, well, he's just my driver. <laughs> he was her office manager getting Defense Department documents across his desk, but nothing was done. Yeah. It's like treason is endemic. <laughs> you know, you just you just did a great uh, 101 on how screwed up we are, basically, Trevor. Um, yeah, I remember all of those stories that you just mentioned. And, uh, you know, it's like we don't take any of this stuff seriously. And then we wonder why and how and why are they doing that? And how do they get all this information? And what's what's going on here? They're, do, they're doing what? Oh, they got hypersonic missiles now. Yeah, okay, cool, you know? Yeah, well, 65 Democrats just voted against, against setting up a committee to investigate China's influence in America. 65 Democrats voted against that. Right. What would you have against a committee like that? You know, we saw Hillary Clinton with her service. And see, this is, comes back to Biden. 
Hillary Clinton didn't hand secret information over to Russia and China. She just left it on unsecure service, servers, which Russia and China could then um, get into, which they did. So she can say, well, I didn't mean to pass secret information on to our enemies, but that's what she did. Right. And, um, you know, and, and Biden has just done the same thing. He has left secret information where other people could access it in an unsecured location. He can say, well, I didn't mean to, it was an accident, but the law is very clear. If you mishandle secret, doc secret documents, you're, you're guilty. There's no intent involved. It doesn't matter if it's an accident. Right. You do that. That's a jail sentence right there. But do we think Biden's going to go to jail for this? You know, now Garland comes out, Merrick Garland says, uh, this appointment, meaning Biden's, underscores for the public the department's commitment to both independence and accountability, in particularly sensitive matters, and to making decisions indisputably guided only by facts and the law. Now, let me ask you right off here, Trevor. Honestly speaking, I mean, a lot of people would say, well, he had no choice. He had to do that. It's tit for tat. But, you know, it doesn't always work that way. They don't always do tit for tat. Honestly, was you surprised at the end of the day that he appointed a special counsel on this? Sincerely, now. Oh, well, he had to because they'd made so much of it to do about, um, you know, Trump's information. And remember, pr Trump was president. He had, to write, he had the power to declassify. Biden never had that power. So there's a huge difference right there, right there. So Merrick Garland, who is an extreme leftist, was put in a position where he had to look like he's doing something. But will the special counsel actually get to the bottom of things? Will he really? We've seen how many investigations have we seen in this country from Benghazi onwards that produce nothing? It's putting a special counsel is uh, uh, looks good, but it doesn't mean anything will happen. Yeah. Well, we have a history of that again. There's a long, long history of all these people, uh, you know, escaping. They're, they're all Houdinis, basically, escaping what is obviously yeah. should be a problem, right? Well, and it's really dispiriting for the American people because they see, you know, Hillary Clinton doing things. Look, look if uh, an army sergeant, had done what Hillary Clinton did with her servers, that person would never see the outside of Leavenworth again in their life. Yeah. yeah. But Hillary Clinton got off scot-free. Yeah. Now, what do you think that does to the moral fiber of our nation, of, of the confidence in the rule of law? Yeah. You know, it, it's a very undermining, and it's designed to be that way. Here's my prediction. We will see people go to jail this you, year. You do think, think so? There are, I think the Republican House is going to get very, very aggressive. And when they start to uncover okay. how much Chinese influence is in there, I think uh, I think the American people is in for a very rude awakening and okay. some very pleasant surprise. Well, unpleasant followed by pleasant surprises yeah. Yeah. when some of these people are held to, held to account. All right, now that's it. You make a very big statement there, and I respect that. But do you do you have? I mean, we've never seen it before. So you think we're at a tipping point of this kind of thing, is what you're telling me, Trevor? And do you have any sense? I mean, you know, it's not going to obviously. I mean, well. We don't see Biden's going to be dressing in orange anytime soon. So who would it? Is it just going to be lower end people for the fall guys? 
Uh, well, well I, I think it'll be people in 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 business community. I think it'll be people in the judiciary. Um, I, I think it'll be a wide range of people. I don't know if the very top ones will go down, but certainly um, I think people will finally start to go to jail for what they've done. I think the, the new Republican Congress, okay. these new rebels there, they understand the fate of the country hangs in the balance and right. we can't be doing things right. the same old way and allowing treason to be treated like okay. a misdemeanor. So, so you have a pretty good feeling then in the sense uh, sincerely, of the 118th Congress, then you 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 feel like there's there's something to it. Yeah, I I do I do I think there's there's people in there that really really want to save America, mm-hmm. and um, you know President Trump set a new bar. He, he we actually had a president who was willing to fight for this country, and there's a new breed of congressmen in there willing to do the same thing, and this is really all they can do because they can't pass legislation. All they can do is go after the bad guys in the administration. You want to see how the Democrats are going ballistic, going absolutely apoplectic when there's when there's you know every new uh, investigation that's opened, they're just tearing their hair out. And as I said, sixty five of them voted against a committee to investigate the influence of China. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them Marxists. Almost several of them in the pocket of China, like Judy Chu from California, Grace Ming from New York. Yeah, we're 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 in for some interesting, interesting times. I think. Okay, Let, let's dig deeper into that story right now. Then, so all right, so this was probably a pretty uh, big uh, success. What I'm going to speak about next, but it was very much underscored in the media, as as it always is. But uh, speaking about uh, Kevin McCarthy's first week uh, as Speaker, Trevor, and uh, so he was able to pull out. But you know, you mentioned the folks that were against it, the sixty some odd that were against it, understood, um, and you know, you put it out there, and um, but at the same time he was able to get a pretty strong bipartisan that's how it worked in fact desire to take on china as scores of democrats uh, did jump into the canoe and uh and they passed two bills uh, there to indicate lawmakers from both parties are pretty pissed off and uh, are not happy with how president biden has handled on that now speak about that specifically the details of what that means you state you're always on top of China. So what do you make of these two bills and what the 118th Congress is setting forth here? Well, you know, some of the Democrats are genuinely concerned about China. I've got to give them that credit. Some of them are just going along because they don't want to flag themselves. And 65 of them said, well, nah, that's it. We're on China's side. So uh, that, that that 65 is, uh, should be flagged by everybody. I've, I've already got the list. But... um. Yeah, well, this is, you know, the, the, the communist China wrecked their economy with their virus. Then they managed the lockdowns through the unions and their subservient politicians. Pro-Chinese communists from Black Lives Matter burnt our cities. And then um, the Chinese were heavily involved in stealing the election. And uh, we know, and we just saw China Mitch McConnell collude with China Joe Biden to basically hamstring the new Congress by passing that horrendous omnibus bill. 
moment. I want to ask you, get your opinion about this is going to become a massive story. I'll surely will easily predict this one in the next week, Trevor. And that is the U.S. debt ceiling uh, is going to require some extraordinary measures. And this is a story I'm always on top of because uh, I just think we're spending our way right to hell uh, in a handbag. And so Treasury uh, Secretary Janet Yellen, uh, so she just disclosed on Friday that uh, the government will reach that ceiling January 19th. I think this is coming Thursday or so. Uh, and the yep. debt balloons to 31.38 uh, trillion. Uh, she says, and I quote, once the limit is reached, the Treasury will need to start taking certain extraordinary measures to prevent the United States from defaulting on its obligations. No kidding, you think here. What do you now? I'm guessing. Hold on now. Let me balance. Let me give you the right. Uh, a trajectory here on this story. So, but remember now, with everything you just laid out about the 118 Congress, Trevor, and with the uh, the, the 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 people that are fighting um, to save the country, the, the the difference in the Republican Party, let's call it. Okay, the the media calls them extremists because they love their country. I, I get that. That's just a lot of horse manure. Uh, but but. It's, it's- it is, it is, it is. But I just call it as I see it, brother. So that's that's about it. Well, what, so, what a Barry Goldwater would say: extremism and the defense of liberty is no vice. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. So putting it all out there, um, w- w- I mean, I, I'm guessing. I, I don't know, but you tell me what you predict here. But I'm thinking this could be a real problem. With this is going to be McCarthy's potential nightmare, maybe trying to get all of these folks together in, in the Republican Party. How do you see it working out here? Yeah, look, look, you, you've got those twenty that made a stand. Yeah, and they they are not going to make a big stand over his chairmanship, and then just fold on some continuing rock, you know, resolution. They're going to demand a price for anything that gets passed, and I think they will basically demand that there are huge cuts in certain areas in, in you know in, in return for passing something the, 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 they're not going to just roll over there's no there's no way they're going to do that so listen to me a minute. I don't know how you feel about it, but there's always this talking point that comes out over time. We hear it. We we hear it like clockwork. The the government closing, going to close down the government, and they blame one party or the other, what have you, for their recklessness. And they're like two drunken sailors in a bar, Mister Democrat and Mister Republican. They can't seem to help themselves. These two sailors back and forth. And there's always this talking point. You know, over the years, I have to I have to confess with you. I, I, I will confess with everybody right now. I've sat a couple of times and, and prayed to God Almighty that he would allow this government to close. I'd say, oh, God, please give us the blessing of closing the government. Now, is that a bit irresponsible or do, do I have a point? No, that is not. And I think I think there's a, a big chunk in the Republican Party that would be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And they have the leverage now to do it. Yeah, so I I'm, I'm, wouldn't be surprised if we get a closure and... Uh, and and uh, wow. it'll be a blessing for all of us. You know, imagine if the IRS closed down for a couple of weeks, would we would we miss it? <laughs> the the Department it. of Energy, the the all these the Department of Education closes down for a couple of weeks. Well, you think our kids is gonna? They're not going to educate our kids. They're, they're, it'll life will still go on, but yeah. this is the leverage. That the new breed of Republican ha- mm. Republicans have, yeah. and and they will use it. And I, I want to ask you. I, I see these reports in the last uh, day or two here uh, that uh, China says sixty thousand have died of COVID since controls were lifted. Now, 
we're all over. We have experts on China on our platform. We have, I mean, God, we have Dr. Li Meng Yang here, who who was part of the Wuhan lab uh, thing there. Um, so, all right. So here, here's the story. So China has not been willing to say anything, and let alone share anything. And they've been lying like they do everything, uh, but about the death count there. Even when this thing started, the crematoriums were burning profusely. I mean, you know, it was terrible. I mean, and they were lying about it all. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, you talk about a total 180. They come on and say, well, yeah, roughly about 60,000 COVID-related deaths since the government scrapped its zero-tolerance to- pandemic control. This is just since December we're talking, uh, Trevor. I mean, my golly. So what? What? first of all, what's going on in China? With There's a lot of variants coming, things we talked about with Dr. McCullough a lot, uh, other things happening in China that are very reckless. But what do you make of their uh, recent um, coming to Jesus moment about the death count? And what, what are they up to? Well, look, I, for a start, I don't trust those figures. I don't trust anything that comes out of there. But what I think is they're setting it up for another worldwide lockdown. That's mm. that's what I think they're doing. They've already got mechanisms in place in the World Health Organization to to massively um, curtail our liberties around the world. I think they they tried the last pandemic. They got certain gains from it. They've modified their approach, and they're getting ready for a second one. And they've just got Susan Mickey um, from the British Communist Party, who's now the leader of the uh, World Health Organization's um, sort of uh, behavioral modification unit. So they're getting ready to manage a whole new pandemic or series of pandemics. And uh, they've got to say this, well, we're, look, we're suffering. You know, we're su- we just lost 60,000 people. So when when the death toll, when, when things that's setting the stage for this is serious mm-hmm. and uh, this is going to mean a new round of deaths in the United States and Britain and whatever, and we better start locking down again. That That's what I think they're, they're angling for. Uh, Trevor Loudon, thank you for joining me on Viewpoint this Sunday, brother. Always appreciate oh, it's it. It's a real pleasure, sir. Thank you. Before we move on with the program here, I, I need to share with you a very, very um, unsettling and... Um, heartfelt message. And I am uh, re- regretfully have to share with you the passing of Dr. J. Lair. Dr. J. Lair, the scientist, the brilliant mind that he was, unexpectedly this past week, he died of a cardiac arrest. Yeah. And speaking with his wife, I mean, it, uh, it, it's, uh, it's hard to put into words, friends. He sent me an email of of an article to post just the day before that. Of course, he's been co-host of uh, the other side of the story here on America Out Loud as well, as you know. It's, uh, you know, it's very, it's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable that we're talking about this. I, I, uh, I still can't uh, compile the information and comprehend it, frankly. Uh, but he was a prolific writer. Uh, and uh, show host here on America Out Loud, he often said to me, you know, he, he I can't tell you multiple times, he would thank me uh, for, um, uh, for, for having him part of America, thanking me. I should be thanking him, and I did. Uh, but uh, but he always was thanking me, saying it was such a, a big deal to have this jump uh, in his career at this point of his life. 
um, truly a remarkable human being, a giant to say the least. And I, my, my fellow Americans are going to miss this giant of a man, Dr. J. Lear. Wow. Next week, we'll have a special broadcast in our program, The Life and Legacy of Dr. J. Lear. His wife, Janet Lair will join me on that broadcast and some other very influential folks who had a real part of Dr. J. Lair's life. We'll take a quick pause now, friends, and we'll join you just on the other side as we continue on with Viewpoint this Sunday. was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, my fellow Americans, and to all of our friends around the globe, it is a joy to be with you, as always, as we report the news as we see it. And, uh, you know, um, I, I want to tell you, there are many things going on on uh, America Out Loud, many, many things. And uh, it would be, and over the next couple of weeks, actually, there'll be some really great news and more changes to our talk radio schedule as we bring in some dynamic new show hosts and programs. We could not be more pleased uh, to continue to broaden the conversation uh, and to uh, bring the out loud truth out to the American people. Uh, on the weekends now at one o'clock p.m. Eastern time, Seth Holhouse, Man in America. Uh, boy, Seth is a real gem, I'll tell you. And he is uh, he's marvelous. Uh, he'll have a broadcast every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. You can hear him on the broadcast just before the McCullough Report. Uh, and uh, so tune in there. And uh, big news coming up that we'll be announcing in about two weeks on noontime. Can't share it with you now, but it's it's a big name. Nationally, you'll recognize. And so I, I'm just hinting to you, there are other things happening here. And also, I want to tell you at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, um, Saturday and Sunday now, our lives and politics. And that's that's with Booker Scott. Booker Scott. And uh, that is really, really going to be cool. That program, he's off and running and uh, really, really excited about uh, this program as well. 7 o'clock p.m. Plays after Viewpoint, actually. Uh, the Encore, 6 o'clock, you know. All right, friends, let's get on talk a little bit more about the world partners in China that I was telling you about here. Joining me on the broadcast now is IQ Al Rizzuli. It is always my privilege to have uh, Brother IQ here uh, all the way from Europe. And uh, uh, he wrote a, a terrific op-ed, as he often does. Um, this one, World Leaders Partner with China, Haven't Lost Trust in the Biden Administration. 
Now, this is some pretty serious business, what we'll talk about next. You know, we talk about foreign policy. We know that's not a strong suit of the Biden administration, but it's even more than that. It's more than not just being a strong suit. Uh, the problem is a lot of these foreign leaders are going elsewhere. IQ, I want you to take a couple of moments and explain to listeners what your biggest concerns are with these foreign leaders and what's happening, please. While most of the fake media in the USA keep deceiving the American people, since they are actually the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, most of the world leaders who consider the USA their bulwark in defense are now gravitating towards China, especially, as well as considering arming themselves at a much higher level of self-defense. Please remember, on several occasions, I mentioned to you that had Japan and South Korea, mm -hmm. 15 or 20 years ago, decided or told the world that they would go nuclear, right. and they were able to go nuclear. They had the, they have both, they have the, both the financial resources and the knowledge. North Korea would never have had a, would never have had an atomic bomb because right, China would not allow it. Do you see that as a? Re I mean, they're they're talking about it now again. You're right. Uh, do you think that will happen? Yes, they have no choice in fact. Right. They can't depend on America anymore. How, do, how does China react to that, do you think? Anything they can do? It would have been useful 20 years ago. It's too late now. Because North Korea has both the means to deliver missiles, uh, the atomic bombs, and they have atomic bombs. So South Korea and Japan have absolutely no choice but to go nuclear. You can't fight a war, nuclear war, with conventional weapons. Forget it. You can't do that. They have to go nuclear. It's almost a dire warning to the world at that point, IQ, that at some point we're going to have a nuclear war, aren't we? There's no question about it, because even in the Middle East, the Arabs cannot allow only Iran to have an atom bomb. They will have to arm themselves. And they have the, both the means and the finances to do so. Yeah. And they will do it. All right, let's get into a few specifics now. Let's talk about, um, I, I want to stay right in the Middle East where you were just a moment ago, and specifically Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia always plays both sides of, of the deal. They always have. Uh, a lot of these Arab communities are very noted for that. Uh, well, the old saying about the enemy of the enemy is my friend is the enemy, right? Or your enemy and your enemy equal a friend. Uh, whatever it is there, we know a lot of that goes on in the Middle East, IQ. And... Um, uh, what do you think is is going to transpire now? It seems like those relationships are being pushed to China. And I've seen some very uncertain things lately with these meetings and uh, that are very, very unusual. Uh, is all lost there or what? Well, it's not lost, but I'll tell you something. Mohammed bin Salman has been trying to make Saudi Arabia more westernized. And he's been doing it since, what, five, six, seven years ago. And seven years ago, I said they are going to kill him. Because every single time a Muslim leader tried to westernize their nation, the mullahs ended up massacring him. That, that, that is why I was so upset when Biden declared Saudi Arabia a pariah state for the death of Khashoggi. Right, right. Shoghi was a Muslim supporter, a Muslim, a supporter of the Muslim Brotherhood, the greatest enemy of America. Mm -hmm. So the, let, the latest meeting between Biden and uh, Mohammed bin Salman turned out to be a farce. Right. He wanted them to pump oil. They refused to pump oil. In fact, they refused to pump it. 
And then they invited Xi of, of uh, China and they gave him the red carpet. Right. Well, it wasn't only, a, he didn't only meet Muhammad bin Salman. He met the leaders of every single Arab country in the Middle East, especially governments. And now they have very good relationships. Right. This is a, an impact of the blunders of foreign policy here in our country. I mean, we're the reason this is all happening. Let's talk about now Macron in France, please. What's go, What's the concern of him? What's Any concerns that they've been having meetings with Xi Jinping? Is that just business as usual or is there some concern there? This is unusual business because Macron is now telling the whole of Europe, we can't depend on America. He's pointing out to NATO members especially that the European Union or the Europeans should defend themselves by themselves. And don't forget, Macron is, the French already have atom bombs. But in spite of that, they are worried that they cannot depend on America. So what do we have? We have the greatest, uh, the strongest allies in NATO worried about America. The previous strongest allies in the Middle East, especially Israel and uh, the Gulf states can't depend on America. Japan and Korea cannot depend on America. What's left? Even Taiwan cannot depend on America. Right. Biden administration can say whatever they want. They are not going to go to war over Taiwan. Uh, talk about um, Germany a moment here. You reference them in your piece as well uh, in regards to China. Well, the Germans invited Sea of China and gave him a red carpet. Right. And it was unbelievably good. And again, they need oil, they need gas, they need support, and they can't depend on America. I mean, the first executive order that Biden did when he moved into the White House was the end of American dominance in Europe and America. Right. He stopped the oil and gas productivity in the United States of America. He cut America's own throat and the throat of Europe and Europe and the West. The first executive order destroyed everything in foreign policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it created havoc for every single American, without right. a doubt, because energy is at the core of many, many things, not to mention our economy and many other things. Now, uh, IQ, so what's what's transpired here now is all of these relationships we're touching on here. It, what's what's happened is there's there's a vacuum. There's a vacuum of leadership that doesn't exist. And China, which we reported on this some time ago over the last few years, they swooped right in to begin to shore up those relationships. So Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party look at this, obviously, as a pure opportunity uh, so this is an opportunity they're taking advantage of with having Joe Biden in there. A lot of people think Joe Biden has been bought off, paid off, and has been, um, you know, uh, tied to the stakes here when it comes to China here. Um, speak about that point, what Americans should be looking at. Well, they should be, but they're not, especially your media. I mean, the worst enemy of America for the last seven to 10 years, especially since Obama. The worst enemy in America is the news media. Your I would agree with that. No, I would agree totally. There's no question. The enemy within is worse than the enemy without. Even now, 
with three discoveries of documents that he has had for six years illegally, they're trying to protect him. As vice president, he had no right to take these documents out. As president, Trump had the right. He yeah, but the they, right. All, they all do it, though. Let, let me say that to you. I hear you. Yeah, that is correct. But presidents, vice presidents, even senators and Congress folks, they all do it. They all do it. I mean, there's classified information all over the place. This is why, uh, as we've addressed up top of the program here, they're so casual about it all. And uh, we're not taking it serious. We're not taking any of this serious. IQ. That's why China has all our secrets and Russia. They know what the hell we're doing. They have everything is out on the open market. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So why attack Trump so conclusively and protect Biden? I want to know. Two-tier system of justice. In fact, you have no justice. The minute you have two-tier system, you have no justice. And yeah. you have no justice. Look at the way they have been treating Trump since the day before he landed in the White House. They were un undermining him. Yeah. Why should well, they Biden, they do it because it's Trump, because I, 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 I addressed your question, your point up top of the program, by the way. And that's exactly what you say. It's because it's Trump. It doesn't matter what Trump did. He, he, like I said earlier, he could discover the fountain of youth and uh, give it. It doesn't matter what he did. They would still find fault with it. That's just a given. And so naturally, the whole document thing and the raid on Mar-a-Lago and the whole classified thing. He was the president. He can undocument, unclassify anything just by whatever. Within, yeah. That's within the Constitution. Yeah. But it is not within the Constitution yeah. regarding the vice president. No, or Congress or Senate or anyone else for that matter. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Right now, I mean, we've got Biden, it appears at least for a couple of more years, uh, the Biden-Kamala Harris regime. And there's a lot of damage. I mean, we're only two years into this parade and we predicted all this was going to happen. And surely it is happening here. Um, I, I, well, I think we can do at this point is hope that the 118th Congress can minimize the pain, but it is some pain that we're going to go through. I'll give you the last word, sir. The last word is that you have a tragedy. And the tragedy is not only for America. It's tragedy for the whole of the world because the USA was and should be the only leader of the free world because it's the only country with the physical facilities, the natural facilities, with the ability to think out of, outside the box and with the military power to impose the free will on the world. There is no other country on earth who can do that. And no other combination of countries who can do But now you are losing it all. You're losing it in America and you're losing it outside America. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think so. No, no, you've been pretty well on target all the way through. I've known you here. Uh, IQ, um, want to give a great appreciation to you, sir, and thank you um, for being here over the years with us and for always keeping uh, not just Americans, but citizens of the world everywhere informed of the issues that really matter. You're a prolific writer. Uh, you're just a marvelous communicator, and we really appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. It's IQL Rizzuli, friends. And what an extraordinary broadcast. Again, here, that one is in the books here. Uh, thank you for joining us here on Viewpoint this Sunday and being on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.